It's a good day. It's a good God. I turn your attention this morning to the book of Exodus, chapter 13 and verse 3. Exodus, chapter 13 and verse 3. We're thankful for 18 that joined us for our um, experience uh, meet and greet class today. And if you haven't jumped into that, you can join us next week uh, as we start our Connect classes at 10 a.m. in the multi-purpose room. I know you'll be blessed. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 3, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which he came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage? For by strength of hand, everybody say strength of hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Verse 9, And it shall be for a sign upon thee, upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand, everybody say a strong hand, hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Verse 14, And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this? That thou shalt say unto him, By strength of hand, everybody say strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. Verse 16, And it shall be for a token upon thine hand, and for frontlets between thine eyes for by strength of hand I think the Lord's wanting us to remember this the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt he wants us to be reminded that you're not serving a small weak God that doesn't have power you're serving a God with a mighty arm of power and authority Hallelujah! So we take our text from verse 3, where Moses declared unto the people, Remember this day. As we're going into the month of April, we're focusing on that well of remember. We're going to be talking about that. Of course, next week is Palm Sunday and a special time of communion and then Easter So all this month, we're going to be focusing on remember. I want us to focus today for just a moment on remembering that day, remembering his strong arm of power. Because ladies and gentlemen, that strong arm of power has not weakened. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you lift your hands and your voices, Lord? We thank you, God, that we were able to come together in one mind and one accord into your house. We ask you, God, that you will anoint our hearts to receive your word, anoint our minds and our spirits. Let us respond. Anoint our lips to speak the word with boldness, without fear or favor. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. It was Jehovah God that established memorials, markers, and milestones. It was God that told the children of Israel through his servant Moses to remember the deliverance And to mark that specific time from the Passover to the passing of the Red Sea in a seven-day feast. It was a time of seven days of unleavened bread. To remember the Passover with a feast. To set a memorial of passing even later on over the Jordan River with a gathering of 12 stones. Throughout all the Word of God there are these markers, these memorials to commemorate and to remember a very specific event. Over and over we see that in the scripture. 
for the purpose of future generations to ask, what is this for? And so today, thousands of years later, there are still these milestones that are regarded and celebrated. The Feast of Pentecost was established 50 days after the Passover, and that was to commemorate the 50-year mark of Jubilee. In the Old Testament, Jubilee was a time when everyone got their possessions returned. If you'd fallen upon hard times, your land was repossessed, or your possessions, or your home, if you could just hang on till you got to the 50-year mark, then you could get it all back. If you were a slave, you'd been put in debtor's prison, or maybe you're trying to pay off your debt, you were set free. I don't think it was by accident that the Holy Ghost was poured out when the day of Pentecost, Pentecost meaning 50, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. I'm talking about on the day of. They would celebrate before and after, but on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. It was not by accident that it was on the day of Pentecost because he wanted us to be reminded every time you feel the Spirit of God come upon you, we are to be reminded that that is the power of God to bring freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from despair, freedom. Hallelujah. You get your life back. You're delivered from the prison of sin. In the text, we read, the Lord said that I want you to mark this deliverance with a seven-day feast, this time of coming out of Egypt. I want you to remember that I brought you out of the house of bondage. And I want you to remember that it was through my mighty arm of strength that we came out. I know you're going to be worried about Pharaoh because Pharaoh is the most powerful man in the world. But there is one mightier. He's in charge of Egypt. Egypt has the most powerful army in the world. But there is one mightier. And with his mighty arm of power, he delivered you out of the house of bondage. I don't care how strong alcohol is, how strong drugs is, how strong pornography is, how strong cancer is, how strong depression is. I've come to tell you, there's one that's mightier. And his name is Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Woo! Hallelujah. said, I want you to remember. We're going to remember it with a seven-day season. We're not going to eat any bread with leaven. It would become known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Leaven is what they put in the bread to make the bread taste good. Because if you've ever had bread without leaven, you just want to spit it right out of your mouth. Tastes like cardboard. I don't even know what leaven is, but it gets in there and it does its job, whatever it is. I think it reminds you of how bland everything is without God. When you eat unleavened bread, it's just... (sighs) That's how life is without God. It's just bland. It's has no taste, no joy, no excitement. Just one day after another, the drudgery of life, living as a captive to sin, trying to get through one crisis to the next crisis. But we have something in our life that gives us power and authority. He gave this bread power to lift, to rise up. 
That's how serving the Lord is. He gives you power to walk. Amen. To live above the shadows of life. Give you purpose and meaning. So you get up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, when you're serving the Lord, you're excited about the next day. Woo, hallelujah. I don't know what leaven does inside of bread. It works invisible. Kind of like how the Holy Ghost works, I guess. It's just invisible. But you can see the effects of it. You can see people look at you and say, I know the troubles you're going through. I don't know how you keep smiling. I don't know how you keep believing in God. You've been, you've been in sickness, you've been in financial problems, you've got this going on, that going on, your job, and yet here you are saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that in me is. They can't see the Holy Ghost working, it's inside, it's invisible, but guess what? They can see the effects of it. Just does its wonder, I guess that's why they call it wonder bread. I remember when I was a kid going to elementary school at Harbor City Elementary over there on Sarno. One day they had a field trip and they took us up to the Wonder Bread plant on US-1. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. <sighs> I wasn't thin and fit and in shape like I am now. I was a little pudgy when I was a, when I was a boy. My mother, she used to buy me husky jeans at JCPenney's. And when we'd go there and she'd say, we need husky jeans, they'd say, we don't have any husky jeans. She said, I know they got husky jeans. They're advertising husky jeans. And they'd get on the intercom, they'd say, we need customer needs husky jeans on all three. And I was just wanting to hide under something because what I heard was, fat roly-poly kids needs new britches on aisle three. That was what I was hearing. I was humiliated. But when I got to that wonder bread plant, I knew I was at home. I was among friends. I was in my natural habitat. They showed us that great big those ovens and that bread all swelling up inside of there. And then they said, you want free samples? Tell you what, one of my favorite restaurants is Lambert's. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you start to eat and they start throwing hot rolls at you. Has anybody ever gone to Lambert's? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost just talking about it. My God have mercy. <laughs> they throw big old hot bread coming right out of the oven. Boy, you can catch, even if you can't catch, you can catch before you leave that place. There's something about that hot bread. Ooh, man. They took me to that Wonder Bread plant. That was the best day of my life in elementary school. I came home. I made a straight A that day. I was so happy. A few weeks later, they had the track and field event out there, and uh, parents would all come with their lawn chairs, and they'd watch all the kids run around the track. That was always a real exciting day for me because all the thin, pale, unhealthy, waif-like children that could run like gazelles on an African savanna, they would sprint around that track like their hair was on fire to the cheers of the crowd. <laughs> then after a while, when people were packing up their chairs and headed to their cars, here came the lard brigade. Here came the herd of elephants that were huffing and puffing. Here came the wonder bread tasters. <laughs> here comes David Ellis Myers. <laughs> gasping for breath coming around there whoo man when they finally stopped that thing so nobody would die <laughs> our parents would try to encourage us and they'd say David you did good I'd be like I did they said yeah do you want to go to McDonald's on the way home and get a milkshake I'm like hallelujah thank you Jesus <laughs> go to McDonald's <laughs> now, I don't know where all that encouragement goes 
When you're little, they encourage you. But now my parents are like, you need to stop eating. You're putting on weight. You're going to die. I got home from Guatemala. woke up in the morning. I was staying with my dad at men's conference. He doesn't even say good morning. He just looks at me and says, you're putting on weight, son. Like, good morning, dad. Nice to see you. Whatever happened to the McDonald milkshakes after the track and field event? I don't know. I'm not sure what happened. I told him I have an allergy. When I eat, I swell up. I don't know what it is. It's not my fault. They took me to that Wonder Bread plant when I was in elementary school. Wouldn't it be great if the only thing you had to do was just look good? That was all you had to do. What are you going to do today? I don't know. I think I'll just eat very little and get a tan. And then I'll pretend that I'm working by exercising, try to trick my body into thinking I actually am working. And then I may finish the day off by taking many pictures of myself before turning in for a long winter's nap. Well, my God, if that's all I had to do, I could be skinny too. Can I get a witness from anybody in this church? No, I know i got to lose weight. God's given us these bodies as temples, and sometimes we get too big of a congregation. But I digress. Why did God choose for them not to eat leavened bread, to remember the strong arm of power that God had demonstrated and continues to demonstrate? In the Bible, leaven is a typology for sin. The Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, meaning that you can't have a little sin in your heart. You can't just have a little sin in your hand or a little sin in your house. It's going to start affecting more than just one area. It leavens the whole lump. Somebody said, well, it was just a little white lie. There is no little white lie. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The Bible also says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The principle is the same. You, you can't just allow a little bit of it to happen. You, you've got to cleanse your life from all of it. Part of God's instruction to the Israelites in the Old Testament was that the unleavened bread was to be outside of their home or the leavened products. They couldn't have anything even in their home, Exodus 12, 15, and 16 says. And then in, in, uh, Paul was encouraging the Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 8 as he wrote to that church at Corinth, which was mostly a Gentile church. He said this, uh, he said, keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness which are lingering sinful attitudes, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That was a clear reference to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In other words, he's saying you don't have to actually observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread by having this tangible bread be removed from your home. But he said, remember what it is to take some things out of your life so you'll become hungry for the right thing. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we live in this culture that we're in today, especially in America, a culture of affluence and abundance. And it's easy for us to not realize we got to take some things out of our life so that we'll get hungry for the things of God. There's some things you've got to remove. There's some attitudes you've got to remove. But it's because we want sincerity and truth. We want the things of God in our home and in our head and in our house and in our family. And so we're saying, God, we're not going to do all the stuff that the world does. 
We're going to refrain from going to some places. We're going to refrain from dressing a certain way. It's not by accident that when you come to the First Pentecostal Church, you come into an atmosphere where you feel the power and the presence of God. It doesn't mean that God loves us anybody more than anybody else. But what it does mean is God said, I'm going to honor some people that have separated themselves from the world and said, God, we are hungry for you more than anything else. We want your strong arm of power. Paul recognized that this feast is symbolic of sincerity and truth, which should be hallmarks in the life of every Christian. He also understood that leaven during the time symbolized sin, and this feast pictures our need to make every effort to eliminate all of this completely out of our lives. The Passover of the seven days marked the beginning. And it culminated with the crossing of the Red Sea. The Passover is what started it. That's whenever the children of Israel applied the blood to the doorpost of their home in Egypt. And the death angel passed over. That's where you get Passover from. He said, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that I delivered you. I delivered you from death. I delivered you from Egypt. I delivered you from slavery. And he said, for seven days they went through. And they tell us that at the end of that seven days was when they crossed over the Red Sea. He said, I want you to remember. You not only came out of Egypt, but I also brought you over on dry ground. He said, I want you to remember that. <laughs> I want you to remember it's not by accident. It wasn't by your own ingenuity. It wasn't by your personality. It wasn't because of the strong arm of yourself or your flesh or your strength. It was because of the mighty arm of God that I brought you out of the house of bondage. I think we ought to remember every once in a while that God delivered us by his mighty arm of power. We didn't save ourselves. We're not good within ourselves. But God God delivered us. Oh, you ought to clap your hands and thank him. He delivered us from the house of bondage. Whoa, hallelujah. When they crossed over that Red Sea, ooh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, when they come through that Red Sea, that was saying, not only did I deliver you from Egypt, but you're not going to have to live with the fear of Egypt anymore. Brought them down there to the banks and said, I want you to look at the faces of them soldiers washing up on the shores. He said, no more from this day forward are you going to live in fear. I want you to look at their faces. God will bring closure. I said, God will bring closure through his mighty arm of power. I'm so thankful that God doesn't say, you know, every day now for the rest of your life, you're going to have to say, I'm an alcoholic. Unless you go through the Red Sea, you have to live with the stigma of your past, but not with God. You don't have to spend your whole life saying, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. No, I used to be. Now I'm an overcomer. Now I'm a believer. Now I'm a child of God. Now I got a new identity. I got a new way of walking, a new way of talking, a new way of thinking. Why? Because my God has a mighty arm of strength. You know, the Passover is where we remember that day when God forgave us of our sins. I hope we never forget that day when God forgave you of your sins. 
Come on, you couldn't forgive yourself. God had to forgive you. And all you had to do, maybe you climbed out of a bed got down on the floor next to your bed. Maybe you were in the car driving. Maybe you came down to an altar. But you remember that time when you said, Lord, forgive me of every sin. And God forgave you. Don't ever forget that day. That was the Passover. For the wages of sin is death. But the death angel passed over because God forgave you. But it didn't stop there. Then you went down in the watery grave of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. That was your Red Sea. The Bible says if you'll ask God to forgive you of your sins, he forgives you. But then the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of sins. You know what the remission of sins is? It's the removal of sins. It's where your record is expunged. Oh, there's a time you may have done something in your youth or something you're not proud of, and there's a record of it. But guess what? There's a time when the judge can expunge your record. There's not even any record. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you come up out of that water, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things have become new. How does God do that? I don't know what he puts in the water. I don't know what it is. It's a wonder. That's what it is. It's a mighty arm of power. Because when you come up out of the water, in the name of Jesus, you are brand new. Do you remember when you got baptized? If you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, I want to encourage you to be baptized today. Don't go home until you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You won't ever forget this day in April 2019. You'll never forget because when you come up out of that water, the Holy Ghost comes on you. Woo! Oh, I remember that day. Back in the old days, man, it wasn't all comfy in fiberglass tubs and heated water and jacuzzi bubbles. No. Man, we got baptized. We got baptized in bomb shelters with the top cut off. I mean, baptismal tanks that was that thick, steel and concrete, filled up with icy cold water. Woo! You didn't have the Holy Ghost when you went down that water. You had stammering lips when you come up out of it. God in heaven. I remember seven years old, my dad baptized me in one of them big old tanks in Port St. Joe, Florida. But I'll never forget when I come up out of that water, I was a new creature in Christ Jesus. I remember the day. No more addiction. No more fear. The Lord doesn't leave you there. He reinforces it over and over again. Because even after the children of Israel went through the wilderness and all of their discouragement, I'm going to tell you how much God helps you to forget your past. They forgot all the bad stuff from Egypt. They forgot all the pain and the whip. They said, we want to go back to Egypt because they got better food back there. Are you kidding me? Don't you remember what it was like living in slavery? God forgives you of all that. He forgave the children of Israel. He put them in a place where they didn't even have to be reminded anymore to the point that they couldn't even remember the bad stuff. When God does a work, he does a complete work. And then as they went through the wilderness and all that, Back and forth and doubting in 40 years, it came time for them to cross over Jordan to possess the land. And they got over there. How are we going to do this? Jericho. 
They got big walls with the same God that brought them out of Egypt. The same God that brought them through the Red Sea. Ladies and gentlemen, guess what I learned this week I never knew before. It was during the seven days of unleavened bread that they marched around the walls of Jericho. I don't think it's by accident. It was God saying, I want you to know this, that the same God that delivered you from Egypt, the same God that brought you through the Red Sea, the same God that brought you through the wilderness is the same God that's going to bring down these walls. You got a new leader. It's under Joshua. It's not under Moses, but God is still the same. And he's still got a mighty arm of power. He's got such a strong arm that the walls of Jericho came tumbling on the seventh day of the feast of unleavened bread it was a reminder that the same God that brought you to this point is the same God that's going to bring you into your destiny oh I feel the Holy Ghost I said the same God that delivered you from sin is the same God that's going to help you accomplish all your dreams and what God put in your spirit when you were a young man and a young woman it's going to come to pass. I said it's going to come to pass because he's got a mighty arm of power. I don't know what walls the devil has tried to put around you, the enemy trying to keep you from claiming your promise. But you better believe my God is stronger. My God is bigger. My God is greater. Because remembering the day reinforces the victory of tomorrow. I said remembering the day reinforces the victory for tomorrow raised in just a small village in northern Guatemala his name was Noe he was poor as the whole village was they didn't have anything it was an area of Guatemala that's totally controlled by the drug cartel it's the path of which the cocaine comes up out of Colombia and into Mexico and eventually into the United States. It goes right through this area of Guatemala. That's a no man's land. Patan. It's an area the size of the state of Tennessee. No missionary or minister could live within a 200 mile range. Noe was just a boy raised in that community, raised in that district. When he was 17 years old, he wanted to go to police school. He worked for the government. He went down to Guatemala City and he enrolled in the police academy. But soon he learned that much of the police in Guatemala were compromised by the drug cartel. So he and his buddy had heard all of the stories of this incredible land called America. This country that flowed with milk and honey. This country that offered opportunities, safety, dreams. They said, we've got to get to America. And they said, how are we going to get to America? They only had $30 between the two of them. They made a pack, him and his buddy. We're going to get to America. We'll get there on foot. And we'll either die or we'll get to America. But we're not coming back. They started out by foot. And eventually they got to Mexico. But they ran out of money pretty quick. What they didn't spend was stolen from, from them by robbers and bandits along the way. But they had made up their mind they weren't going to stop. They got into Mexico and the police started chasing them. But they had been trained in the police academy. And so though they were tired and hungry and broke, though they were running for their lives in Mexico, though they were being shot at one day 37 times by the police, 
Their training came in handy. They were able to evade and they were able to stay alive and they hung on to the back of trains as basically just hobos trying to catch a ride. The train would start off, they'd run off behind it and they'd jump onto the back of it. And they'd hang on sometimes for eight hours at a time as their arms would try to give way. But they were next to each other and they would smack each other to stay awake. And their arms would try to give out and they would hold each other up because if their arms gave out and they fell, certainly they would fall to their death. And so with a sense of desperation, they hung on. And finally they got close enough to the border after three attempts of trying to get over the border. They finally got through the border, made it to America found their way up through the United States, different people helping them along the way that they now think were angels. They don't even know who they were, but they eventually got to the Northeast where Noe had some relatives that lived in the state of Rhode Island. They were so excited, so happy, he got a job washing dishes in a restaurant, but soon his cousins introduced him to cocaine. And it wasn't long that he was addicted to cocaine in America. 22-year addiction that got worse and worse with each day during this time he would call out to God he was so desperate he didn't know where to go he wanted to know if there was a real God but the addiction got worse and worse every day was a matter of just trying to get through the day he ended up in Elkhart Indiana where he had some family and there he had a brother that died of a drunk driving accident he said I prayed that night and God said if you call out to me I'll spare your life and he began to call out to God he ended up in Columbus, Ohio area, finally moving down to Zanesville, Ohio, where he got a job working in a Chinese restaurant. He began to pray one night, and he said, God, if you're real, direct me to the right church. He said, me and my family, my nephew, he said, even though we were high on cocaine, we would read our Bible, and we'd say to each other, one day we're going to be preachers of the gospel. But he said, we didn't know where to go or what to do. He said, in desperation, I cried out and said, God, if you're real, I want you to reveal yourself to me. That night in the restaurant, there was a man that came and witnessed to him, handed him a track, said there's going to be a revival service down at the Anchor Church in Zanesville, Ohio. David Smith, an evangelist from Lake Charles, Louisiana, is going to be there. And if you'll come, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. He said, I didn't know who the guy was. I didn't know if this was real or not. But finally on the Sunday night in February, the last day of that revival, I knew what time the service started, but I waited until after the service started so I didn't have to talk to anybody. He said, I come in the front door and there stood that man that had witnessed to me in that Chinese restaurant. There he was. He said, I'm so glad you're here. He ushered me to my seat. He said, I wasn't in that building 15 minutes when I started feeling the power of God. He said, it wasn't long and the preacher got up and he said, Brother Smith started preaching and he said, God brought you here. You you prayed and asked God if he would reveal himself to you. He said, you got a crack pipe in your pocket right now. No, he said, I reached out and my crack pipe was in my left pocket. He said, but I've come to tell you, you're not going to need it after the night is over. You've come to a God that's got greater power and greater strength than a cocaine addiction. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I don't know what you may be battling, but I've come to remind you, God is greater. God is bigger. God is stronger. They gave the altar call. He came to the altar, lifted up his hands. Brother Aaron Bounds, who was assistant pastor at the time, 
He now pastors the church. He came and prayed with him, told him about the Holy Ghost. He lifted his hands. He said, well, give it to me. He said, I can't, but God, will you just begin to worship him? He said, in a few moments, I was speaking in tongues. And for the next three hours, I spoke in tongues and rolled all over the front of that church. God delivered me from cocaine. He said, I fell in love with Jesus. He said, I decided I was going to be a soul winner. He said, I couldn't get enough of God. I decided if I'm going to get in this, I'm going to get into it with 120%. And he said, I hadn't turned back since. Within the next six months, 30 of his family members were baptized in Jesus' name. He married a girl in the church by the name of Sister Dawn. They had a little girl named Olivia. Soon he got a burden to go back to Guatemala. He said, I want to go back to where I grew up. I want to go back to that drug-infested area where there are a million people and no Pentecostal apostolic church. He said, they've never heard this gospel there. i got to go back. And his pastor told him, you need to wait. Oh, he said, that was hard for me to do. He said, I had a burning desire, but he said, I obeyed my pastor. He said, the next year, my pastor said, you need to wait. It's not time yet. The third year, you need to wait. It's not time yet. Finally, he said, you can contact the missionary. He contacted Brother Brad Thompson. Brother Brad Thompson said, you're welcome to come down. And he said, I'll go up there with you in that area. And he went into that area. And here they are, an area where the spirit of fear controls. He said, I didn't know how I was going to bring my wife and my two-year-old baby daughter to this environment. He said, it's not unusual for the drug cartel to go into a village. They took us to one village. They said, you see this village? It wasn't nothing but where a couple of roads crossed. He said, you see this village? He said, it wasn't that long ago when the drug cartel came looking for a man. And people in the village said, he's not here. And they said, that's fine. We'll leave him a message. They fired up chainsaws and massacred 30 people in that village to leave a message. He said, how am I going to leave my wife and my daughter in this environment? He said, we prayed and fasted. My wife said, I feel like God's given me a spirit of boldness. Let's do it. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, only seven years ago. Only seven years ago, Noe and Dawn and their little daughter, Olivia, with the support of the Zanesville Church in Zanesville, Ohio, they go to Patan. They go to that area, and the spirit of fear grips him and her and their daughter. And he said, I knew we were going to have to defeat it with the power of prayer. He said, we begin to pray. We begin to fast. He said, we begin to call out to God. And he said, you know what? We broke the back of it. And they did, because I was there last week, and we had a crusade, and 840 people received the Holy Ghost in the soccer stadium. And there wasn't one bit of resistance. There wasn't one bit of fear, because my God is stronger. I said, my God is stronger. I don't know what you may be facing. I've come to remind you, God is greater. At the name of Jesus, every knee bows. I got to hurry. Here we are. They just start out with a little lean-to like this. That's Noe and Don and Olivia over there on the far left of the screen. And they would just live in a little house behind there. Before long, they'd have a hundred people in there worshiping the Lord. Then they'd have to get something a little bigger. Then something a little bigger. People come possessed. People come all hooked on drugs. People come all messed up in their lives. And when they felt the power of God, they said, we don't, we don't want to do anything. They bring their motorcycles. They bring their cell phones, land. They gave it all. They just started giving it all. They said, we want to build a church. It wasn't long, and they built a church. You won't believe it. They built this place. It's paid for right downtown. It's the best-looking building in the whole village. They're going to live there where they're building the new one. That's the 
new church on the right hand side. That's the fellowship hall on the bottom. This looks like you look. Show them a picture of the inside of this church. I mean, this thing look. It'd be a beautiful church in America. It's all paid for by a bunch of people that found a greater God, that found a greater power, that found a greater strength. They filled that thing up. There's the foyer. There's his office up top. They got a big baptismal deal over there. Inlaid wood, stone, all of it's all paid for. Paid for by people. Not, not people in America. People in Guatemala. That's Noe over there on the right-hand side. Explained to one of our team members. Uh, all stone, how it all worked. The battery paid for by people in Guatemala that found something stronger than cocaine. Found something stronger than addiction to sin. Found something stronger than the occult. Found something stronger than devil worship. Found something stronger... He said, there's at least 20 people in my church that were possessed by the devil. But when they came to an apostolic church, they were delivered. Why? Because my God has got a mighty arm of power. Oh, you ought to remember the day. Keep going. He said, let's do a crusade. So here we are praying chairs all lined up. The mayor's donated the soccer field. Praying for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost fill this place. There's Sister Dawn and Olivia right there. Praying for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That was the night before. That's the superintendent of Guatemala. The first night. The first night over 200 people were healed. In Jesus' name. This man was lame, was in a wheelchair. Now he's walking. God healed him of blindness, healed him of deafness. He didn't know what to do. He's touching his ears, his eyes, his arms, his legs. Everything's working. I don't know what to do. 24 tumors disappeared. Nine people came out of wheelchairs. He hardly know what to do with himself. So if you've been seeking for this, Gregory David, right here, 15 years old, preaching. Well, you've been wanting a miracle. All you have to do is ask. That's right. All you have to do is seek. All you have to do is knock. And they shall be given unto you. We've had a great crusade. But it's not That's only no okay, it's we I'm telling you, anything's possible with God. There's Luke preaching with a broken collarbone. Do you know how much glory is due unto the Lord? Come on. We can't give enough glory. We can't give enough praise. We need to praise Him. We need to give Him the glory. We need to worship Him. Can we do that tonight? Can we worship Him? Can we give Him the glory? When we worship Him, we bless Him. Remember the day. 
you came here with today but I've come to tell you about a God who's got more power he is greater he is stronger he is more powerful just up the road put that back up there just up the road Tikal one of those Mayan cities it's just up the road from where we had that crusade they can they claim that these people are so advanced They claim that these people, you know, remember a few years ago, they thought they had the calendar on when the world was coming to an end. Now they say it was misinterpreted. But you see them altars, you see them blocks down there. They would come and they would take their own children. They'd cut their heads off on those altars. And they'd offer them unto that, that big old temple. They didn't even know who they were serving. They were trying to worship the God of the sun, the God of the moon, the God of the harvest. But they wanted a blood sacrifice. So they would capture other people in the village. Massive city of these buildings all over the place. Many of them not even been excavated yet. Architects working all over it. Every year thousands of people go to this place. Looking to find this mystical God. I climbed up on the top of one of them things. I was sitting up there with Brother Bounds. And there was a skinny guy up there with his shirt off. That was doing some kind of a dance like a snake dancing around like that and then he was trying to pull all of that whatever atmosphere into himself I've come to tell you something right now that is not going to save you I said that's not going to save you this community existed from 300 BC to 900 AD for 1200 years 
But they were telling us, the guide says, eventually the whole place was abandoned. They said, of all the studying that we can do, we can find that there's one main reason why this whole city, with all of these false temples, all of this idol worship, all of this human sacrifice, there's one reason why it was abandoned. And he said that is because of a drought. They got their ring. They held them in big cisterns. They plastered the inside of it with lime and, and, and limestone that they could find in the mountains in that area. And he said all those cisterns dried up because the heavens dried up. And when the heavens dried up, there was no more water. And when there was no more water, they couldn't exist any longer. The Bible says the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain. But just down the street, more than a thousand years later, people are being healed of sickness. People are being filled with the Holy Ghost. Because you know why? When you, serve, when you serve the one true living God, His name is Jesus. He controls the, the wind and the rain. and He controls the water and life. And in Him, Paul said, we live and move and have our beings. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your past is. God wants you to know He's got a mighty arm of strength. He's bigger than your biggest problem. He's bigger than your greatest trial. He can open up the windows of heaven and cause the rains to saturate your life. Or he can dry everything up. No sense in trying to live this life without God. It's a life that eventually just ends in a spiritual drought. But there is a God who has his arms wide open. Saying, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I have strength for you. I can heal your broken bodies. I can heal your broken hearts. I have an arm of strength that is greater than any sickness, greater than any hurt. I deliver you out of the house of bondage. I brought you through the Red Sea. The walls of Jericho came down. There's nothing that's beyond his reach. I wonder right now if you would lift your hands and if you would lift your voice. And I wonder if you would shout unto him with the voice of triumph. Like your life depended on it. Because it does.
a sickness in your body, would you raise your hand right now? If you're hurting in your body right now, would you just raise your hand? I believe God's come to heal right now in the name of Jesus. You can put your hand down. If you came today and it may not be a physical sickness, but there may be an emotional need or there's a desire for an unsaved loved one to be saved or something that it's going to take the mighty arm of God to do it, would you raise your hand? We're going to pray together right now. I feel the boldness of the Holy Ghost. And whether you're in the audience, there's still room down front. Or if you want to come down to this altar, I want you to lift up your hands right now. And in just a moment, we're going to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. When we pray the prayer of faith, I want you to begin to think about how great God is, not how big your problem is. I want you to begin to see through the eye of faith how great God is get to the end of this we shout hallelujah I want you to shout hallelujah as loud as you can and when we do I believe that God is going to miraculously heal and deliver and set free lift your hands and your voices right now by the authority of the word of God by the anointing of the Holy Ghost and by the power of the name of Jesus be made whole in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Hallelujah.
you're standing next to right now I want us to begin to pray for one another there's strength there's power and unity come on I want you to pray for each other right now would you lift your voice and would you pray like you would want somebody to pray for you that's it that's it. God wants to hear your voices. God wants to hear your voices. You're greater, Lord. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, lift up your hands and begin to worship Him. That's the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord.
came around the walls of Jericho once a day for six days he said I don't even want you to open your mouth some of you have just been suffering in silence walking around the wall believing you've been faithful but there hadn't been the shout of victory yet but he said on the seventh day he said I want you to walk around in seven times and on that last time I want you to sound the trumpet then I want you to shout with the voice of triumph. And the Bible says that as they came around on that seventh time, the Bible said that they begin to shout with all of their might. And that's when the walls came down. I said that's when the walls came down. And once again, God showed his mighty arm of strength. I don't know what you may have been suffering with. I don't know what you may be going through. But I feel that there's a shout of victory that's in the camp of Israel. And before we go this morning, I believe that if God's people would shout with all of their might, that there would be walls that would come down. Would you lift your hands and would you gather your strength one more time? And would you set your voice like a trumpet? And would you shout with all of your might? We'll see you tonight. 
Join us tonight at 6.30.